what is the catchiest song you've ever heard? Like, what's that song that just by playing a few notes, you're totally doomed? Like, you can't get it out of your head all freaking day. Hey, I just met you. This is crazy. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. It's a small world after all. No, no, anything but that. So I think these songs and others like them are the audio equivalent of packing peanuts. You know those little foam peanuts, those little foam pieces that come in fragile packages? And once they get out and one of them sticks to you, it's like, honestly, I think I need to amputate my limb to get this freaking thing off of me. You shake and fight and kick and scream, and there's that innocent little thing just stuck to you. It's like the world's worst horror film monster. Just a single packing peanut with like googly eyes that won't let go. <laughs> For real, what's the catchiest song you can think of? What's that song that, just with a few notes, you're totally and utterly hooked? Mine starts a little something like this. Set fire to your hair Poke a stick at a grizzly bear And bam! I'm totally done for. I can't stop singing along once I hear those notes. In fact, I'll probably go watch the music video on repeat after I'm done with this episode. But here's the thing. That song is not a pop song. It's not a line dance from a wedding. It's not even a jingle from a big brand. No, that song is a safety message from Melbourne, Australia. And this one song, plus its video, did indeed make people safer. But it's what happened after the song came out where things got totally insane. Like a box full of packing peanuts dumped on top of the world. It's huge, it's addicting, it's even adorable. It's unthinkable. Stories of conventional thinking at work and the people who dare to question it. I'm Jay Akunzo. I've taken 4,000 subway trips in my adult life. I figured I've lived in a city about nine years, so with my commute, plus my meetings, plus weekends, let's see, minus vacation and holidays, minus work from home days, uh, c- carry the one, grab a snack, because because math is hard, <laughs> and, and yeah, okay, sure, I think 4,000 sounds about right. It was my understanding that there would be no math. The point is that I've spent a ton of time in and around subway stations. And although I'm surrounded by safety signs every single day, I can't remember a single one. Not where they are or what they say. Like, I'm certain that they're there, kind of like I'm certain that my favorite media outlets have banner ads on their websites, but like, I just don't notice them. Do you? I went down to my local stop in Queens to see which signs were there. There were 12. 12 signs! I didn't have to move once, I just spun in a circle. 12 different signs were telling me stuff, and I'd never noticed them. And this, this is the average approach to public safety. Put some kind of instructions on a sign and put the sign near people. Never mind the fact that the sign gets completely ignored and the message doesn't stick. Never mind the fact that people are totally glued to their phones or maybe the conversation with their friends and family and not the signs. Those signs are just the way things are done. Lots of posters saying what not to do. You know, don't do this and don't get too close and stay behind the yellow line. And, you know, just boring and and it becomes white noise after a while. That is Leah Waymark. Leah Waymark, CEO of DUM, Melbourne, Australia. Did you catch that? She's the CEO 
of dumb. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I say I do. I mean, I, I have a <laughs> I have a real job as well. So, uh, you know, I ha- I'm, I'm also the, the Chief Corporate Relations and Business Development Officer for Metro Trains. You know, it was pretty funny when we uploaded that onto, when I uploaded it onto my LinkedIn profile, I had many messages thinking I'd been hacked. <laughs> <laughs> So why CEO of Dumb? Because she is the person responsible for creating that song that I can never get out of my head. That safety message about being safe around trains, Dumb Ways to Die. Hold on, hold on a second. That's not going to leave your mind for like a week. So I need your attention a bit longer before you hear it because we need some context. I mean, first of all, what the heck is this thing all about? I I guess Dumb Ways to Die, it's all about promoting rail safety in an entertaining way. Here's what happened. A few years ago, the Melbourne rail system, Melbourne Metro, was seeing an uptick in injuries and deaths around trains. Our staff were seeing things every day, and largely it was distilled down to, you know, our customers and people in the rail environment doing really dumb things and taking dumb risks around trains. Um, You know, a lot of our staff were traumatised by that. So if you're a train driver, you can't swerve to get around, you know, someone that's on the tracks. I dug up some of the headlines in the area around that time, and they all said some pretty troubling things. Hidden tragedy of rail suicides. Collecting a corpse, how long should it take? I'll never forget the scream. Readers on rail trauma. Man. But to get people to change their behavior, even behavior as dire and risky as that, Leah knew she couldn't just put up more signs. Because, as we all know, that's just white noise. Um, So that's part of the reason why we knew that we needed to do something a little bit different. This would be a huge challenge because Leah's space is full of sameness, similar sounding things either easily ignored or downright awful to consume. A lot of the kind of adverts that they run really are based on on fear. Um, you know, you want dad to come home at night and you, you know, all, the, all those kinds of messages or, you know, the body bag being zipped up after a, a road accident. So that's that's the kind of thing that we, we didn't want. And, and that was increasingly happening on our TV screens. And so Leah realised they had to turn a message people needed into a message they wanted. But hold on, something else we need to know here. The average approach in rail safety would never, ever, ever lead to a song by a bunch of uh, adorable cartoon characters. No way. Most rail safety approaches, and really most public education efforts in general, they simply don't understand people like Leah does. So instead, the average approach to this kind of work is to simply share the facts. But does anybody in this world change their behavior thanks to facts? I'm going to go with a hard no on that one. For example, here are two facts that lots of us have heard, and one that maybe we haven't heard before, but it's just too ridiculous not to share. Fact number one. The International Agency for Research on Cancer has classified processed meat as a carcinogen, aka something that causes cancer. Really think about people's diets. Think about your own. If you eat meat, how common is ham, salami, cold cuts in general? Sausage. Oh my goodness, what about bacon? We eat meat lovers pizza, we put processed meat on top of chopped meat, we even have bacon of the month clubs. Oh yeah, these are real. I mean, this is America. What the heck is going on here? The fact is, processed meats can kill you, and here we are stuffing our faces with them. Fact number two. 
Sitting is the new smoking. According to multiple studies first reported a few years ago, prolonged sitting increases the risk of developing serious illness. These illnesses range from cancer to heart disease to type 2 diabetes. And yet here we are sitting all day every day. We sit at work. We sit at home. Heck, we build entire experiences in our homes that cost tons of money and time and stress just so we can sit in a better place. What the heck is going on? The fact is, sitting is the new smoking. And here we are, lounging like life lasts forever. Okay, one final fact because this one is insane. Fact number three. Ever hear of fugu? Yeah, fugu. It's a type of fish made popular in Japan, included in certain types of sushi and sashimi. Every year, literally tons of this fish are harvested from the sea, and tons of it are consumed by foodies. And oh, by the way, fugu is more poisonous than cyanide. Yes, if the chef doesn't get just the right meat and accidentally nicks some of the bad part for your meal, well, off you go to the emergency room, and that's if you're lucky. What the heck is wrong with people? We have the facts, and yet we don't change our behavior. From presidential elections to marketing of products, we just keep on sharing the facts with others, and others just keep on ignoring us. People don't respond to facts. They respond to story, to emotion. Leah knows this all too well. She remembers a conversation that she had with a colleague well after Dumb Ways to Die was released. And he asked me to um, prioritise a few things. So he said, you know, in, in order of priority, is it about revenue? Is it about safety? Or is it about entertainment? And, um, and that was not a hard question at all for me. It, it's about entertainment, number one. And it's about uh, safety, number two. And it's about revenue, number three. So if the entertainment is there people are watching it, then the other things will come. You see, Leah obsesses over people in a way that others in her space do not. Others obsess over facts, facts that they place on signs. But Leah, she understands what those signs are for. And logically, if you know what something is for, you can build up a better scenario from that insight. And her scenario called for a song and a video that would make far more impact than another sign. Set fire to your hair. Whoa, 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 hold on, slow down, slow down. Not yet, almost, almost there. But I need you to picture something. I need you to picture the actual things that Leah and the agency she hired created. They created a set of cartoon characters, all shaped like little beans with thin little arms and legs. There's a bright green one, a powder blue one, a purple one. They all have bright round eyes and big smiling faces. They are adorable. And this was an incredibly strategic decision. So even though we described them as beans internally, um, they were kind of nothing. Um, so they were, they were not meant to look too human-like. And part of that was, um, was about, you know, cartoon death is quite different to real death. So, and, and that's where, you know, they, they can die without parents or young people, um, you know, feeling like they've witnessed something violent or, or extreme. Um, and, and so that's really part of what's behind it is just these nondescript kind of blob bean type uh, characters that have enough personality that you, you want to love them and know them, uh, but not enough that you're, you're really sad when they get, you know, squashed or fall over dead. <laughs> <laughs> and each and every one of them meets their demise by acting, well... 
pretty dumb. One guy named Mishap keeps a rattlesnake as a pet. Dimwit is a powder blue character with tiny Mickey Mouse-like ears. He does his own electrical work, and it backfires. Doomed is just two purple legs sticking out of a garbage bag that he's tied in. You see, he scratched a drug dealer's brand new ride. Do you have any favorite characters from the the video or a favorite character? Yes, of course. So my favorite is Dunce. Dunce decides to sell both kidneys on the internet. So, you know, I I love that he's so pleased with himself and he keeps dancing even when the others don't. Um, So, yeah, he's certainly my favorite. These characters have become such a part of Leah's work and life that they're they're basically colleagues. So, uh, yes, I'm I'm sitting here with my friend uh, Botch. Botch was the one who dressed up like a moose during hunting season. And uh, so he's sitting here with me as a bit of moral support. <laughs> Together with their agency, the Dumb Ways to Die team developed a backstory for every character. And every character received a name implying just how dumb they are. Crucially, the song ends with Stumble, Bonehead, and Putz, the three characters who die doing dumb things around trains. Oh, by the way, if you want the entire list of characters and their hilarious names and backstories, just shoot me an email and I'll send them to you. It's jjay at unthinkable.fm. All right. In the meantime, I think it's finally time to hear these little guys in action. And you have two options to do so. First, keep listening to the show right now and you'll hear the song in full. Or you can take a quick break to watch the video and then come back to the show here. The link to the video is in the show notes, and if you watch it, just skip about three minutes ahead in the podcast when you return, and I'll meet you there. Either way, get ready, because at long last, it's time for some hilarious, adorable, catchy-as-all-hell, dumb ways to die. Set fire to your hair, poke a stick at a grizzly bear, eat medicine that's out of date. Use your private parts as piranha bait. Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. Get your toast out with a fork. Do your own electrical work. Teach yourself Eat a two-week-old unrefrigerated pie Dumb ways to die So many dumb ways to die Dumb ways to die So many dumb ways to die Invite a psycho killer inside Scratch a drug dealer's brand new ride Take your helmet off Outer space, use a clothes dryer as a hiding place. Dumb ways to die, so many dumb ways to die. Dumb ways to die, so many dumb ways to die. Keep a rattlesnake as a pet, so both your kidneys are. What's this red button do? Dumb ways to die So many dumb ways to die Dumb ways to die So many dumb ways to die Dress up like 
Safe around trains. A message from Metro. Congratulations! That song will now be in your head forever. You're welcome. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, there, there were a number of different versions of music, and certainly, you know, when when they were coming in to pitch this one, there was a phone call from the agency and to our, um, you know, marketing manager, um, saying that, you know, just giving you a heads up, we've come up with a song, and you know, by this, we were all getting a little tired of this by this stage, actually, and it was just like. Oh, that's it. I'm hanging up now. But they liked that final direction enough to create the video. The only question was, would others like it too? Well, it it somehow made it out into the world uh, before it was meant to. And uh, in in hindsight, that was a great gift. So um, The Age, which is one of the daily newspapers here in Melbourne, uh, somehow got hold of it and, and put out a story. So before we knew it, uh, you know, it was it was starting to fly. And that was only about a day before it was meant to. So, um, you know, it worked really well for us. It generated a lot of coverage. People started listening and watching. And, um, and then over the coming days, in fact, you know, I got almost nothing done that I should have been doing on the weekend because... I was pretty much sitting on the couch, look, you know, refreshing the, the YouTube numbers to watch them just going through the roof. Through the roof and down the street. A local radio station actually found this video as it spun across the social web, and they built an entire segment of their show around it. Callers were ringing in to say what they thought it was an ad for. And, um, and of course, because we embed the safety message and the message we're drawing them to right at the end of the clip, um, people had no idea. So that really, you know, all of these little things added up to people um, having an interest. Through the roof, down the street, and across the city. In the first 30 days, this video racked up 40 million views, and it was shared 2.8 million times on social. And by the way, they received 300,000 people from around Australia filling out a form on the website pledging to be safer around trains, through the roof, down the street, across the city, and around the country. Everything from, you know, very large record companies to, um, you know, movie-type organizations to competitors who were looking to buy us out and get rid of a competitor to, um, you know, a whole host of different things, merchandising, licensing companies. And, um, and so we knew that, you know, we had an opportunity to do something more with it. In 20 different countries, this song ranked in the top 10 on iTunes. It grossed $50,000 in sales. In the US, this song outranked artists like Rihanna and David Guetta. It actually placed third behind two people. First was Adele and the theme from the James Bond film. And second, perhaps the biggest viral hit ever. Through the roof, down the street, across the city, around the country, 
and all around the world. Dumb Ways to Die became a global sensation. Hold on, let, let me say that differently. A rail safety message became a global sensation. But we're not done yet. You see, then came the parodies, hundreds of them on YouTube. There's a parody about movie deaths. Get eaten by a giant shark. There's a parody about video games. Misalleged that isn't there. There's one about dying in corporate meetings. The CEO's pinball canceled the date. There's one about dying in Shakespeare's plays. Had a heart attack when they plucked out your eyes. Dumb Ways to Die the video became Dumb Ways to Die the business. All total, this new organization, this new business unit they built, created nine different websites. They launched 25 original videos and three mobile games. Their videos got 300 million views, while their games were downloaded more than 200 million times. Bit by bit, Dumb Ways to Die actually generated revenue from their games. They decided to use advertising inside those games to run the operation at cost. And over time, some of that revenue actually made it to their bottom line. So so that was a good starting point. Um, we engaged with a licensing organisation. So we could also see by this stage where a lot of the people that were, were liking Dumb Ways to Die were from. And the US is actually our largest market. You know, there are, there are many others. The Philippines was big early on, uh, Germany and a few countries in Europe, Canada. And so it was, it was interesting sort of watching that and then trying to work out um, how, do, how do we grow this and how do we, you know, make something of it. At the time I spoke to Leah, they were about to launch a series of snow globes for the holidays. Rather than your traditional snow, there are little piranhas flying around in some of, uh, with blue, blue water instead of snow. You know, our little friend who ate the unrefrigerated pie, there are bits of carrot and peas and corn flying around <laughs> in that one. And... Um, and then, you know, our, our other guys got sort of little little red bits flying around. So it's like the, the, the blood rather than the, the water. So it's, it's a, a snow globe with a difference. And speaking of globes, 65 million people worldwide have signed the safety pledge. And as of this recording, Dumb Ways to Die had begun to license their IP to one other city, Denver. And in doing so, they've spread the movement to a new rail system. I think it's important to note sort of why. Why would we want to commercialise it? And so there's a few reasons for that. A, you know, we felt we had something special. We had a responsibility to take what we had and actually, you know, see, see where we could take it in terms of, um, you know, embedding rail safety, um, making rail safety a, a cool thing, a cool topic, um, you know. And at that point, it was sort of, you know, imagine if people are using dumb ways to die almost as part of their vocab. Because that was the point, right? In the same way that social media can create word of mouth in a way that banner ads can't, Dumb Ways to Die had moved safety messages from signs nobody noticed into the actual conversation. I hear it regularly from, you know, groups of school kids that, you know, that's the way of telling their, their friends to, you know, step back from, from the train tracks. Because really, that would be a dumb way to die.
Leah and her team have done a ton of really unconventional things, and many of those things wound up reaching a ton of people. But of course, it didn't start that way. They built up trust steadily over time by delivering results. Results through, yeah, unconventional approaches, but ones that were smaller and more focused and less likely to put anybody at risk. For instance, there was the uninformed guide to the Melbourne Cup. This horse race and the spring racing carnival that's part of it is a huge event every year in Australia. And the Melbourne Metro takes over half of all the attendees to those festivities. So over time, they noticed that people didn't really know horse racing from baseball when they went. They just went because it was a big deal to go. And so people would continually place random uninformed bets on horses. So Leah decided to lean into that. So um, so we produced the what we call the uninformed guide. It just looked like a gig guide out of a newspaper. And, um, and there were just hilarious reasons why you should choose particular horses. And uh, we distributed that on the train out to the races. Over the years, they took smaller leaps in order to show off the power of their intuition. And that intuition was what they trusted instead of some tired best practice. So, you know, there'd been a number of things that were quite, quite humorous in terms of, um, you know, having them engage with us. So by the time they wanted to do Dumb Ways to Die, rather than push back on the agency that proposed all these wild new ideas, it was Melbourne Metro themselves that did the pushing. And they pushed for a video that took things even further. Initially, when it came back to us, the last scenes, which, of course, for us were the most important ones around rail safety, the, um, the characters were sort of bandaged up. And, um, and, you know, of course, every creative wants to hear, you know, we want more violence. <laughs> we need to slice and dice these characters up because if you go up against a train, you don't come out bandaged up. And so we pushed it even further than the agency had, had put to us. Um, so, of course, they were thrilled, and I think it, it made quite a difference, actually, to the end product. To me, it seems like people keep doing the same things. I characterize them as boring, but you could say they're unnoticed or unheeded, uh, but they persist. Why, why don't people try more stuff like you tried? Um, well, I, I wonder sometimes in organisations whether people only put forward the concepts that can get approved rather than the concepts that will um, do the job and reach the people that they need to reach the audience. So, you know, not, not everyone will take a risk on these things. And, you know, I, I've seen it so many times that layers of bureaucracy and decisions by committee kills and or stymies at very least creativity so i i think it just it you know layer by layer of approval it just strips down the creativity to the point often where it is dull or boring you know some people would love to do this kind of thing and just don't have the environment and don't fight for the environment to be able to do it is, is there a step one in that? You know, I often think that people misconstrue creativity to mean big. And so they'll see what you did and say, well, I could never do that. But you mentioned the part about fighting for that environment. So, you know, are there are there smaller things people can do? Like if you if you didn't have that creative freedom, like what would you have done to get all the way to an eventual video like this? Um, what would I have done? Well, I think it's still about how you brief these things into your agency too. So, um, you know, I think giving giving them the, the scope to think a little bit differently is part of it. Um, you know, not be too rigid in your briefing um, to your agency so that they have got room to think differently and come up with different things. An agency is always trying to read what you want and 
to um, to nail it. You know, no one wants to be going back and forth with lots of things. But if, if they get it right a few times, then they will test the boundaries a little bit. And so I think that there's certainly some things that we do that, that are a bit more mainstream. You know, a, we, we still do our fair share of of posters let me let me tell you so it's it can't all be super creative and I think if you if you were to overdo it then uh, it doesn't always cut through in the right way either Um, so I guess it's just it's a balancing act it all is a balancing act doing more creative and more fulfilling work is a spectrum it's not binary we all want to do better things but we believe there's this like line that we have to cross from average to amazing work But that's not how intuition works. At any given time, you sit somewhere along the spectrum. On one side, far to the left, is commodity stuff. On the other, far to the right, is something exceptional, aka the exception, that great work you want to try. And and the goal isn't to reach one moment, one sign-off from your boss, one project, one skill that lets you slide all the way to the good side. No. The goal is to constantly push your little slider forward. Today, you might be repeating your industry's best practice over and over and over, and you might crave something better, something newer, something more refreshing. Maybe it's a better boss or better clients or better resources, whatever. But it's never going to feel like anything but one step after another, even when you're way ahead of where you are now. It's always just taking that one tiny step, always. Whether you're heading backwards right now and you want to reverse that trend, or you're heading in the right direction you want to go and it's not going fast enough. Whatever the case, it's always about building that creative muscle memory little by little. It's about earning trust from others bit by bit. We have to succeed within the first box to get to the next one. I know we crave that wide open field because we think that's where great work happens. We want to destroy the box we're in entirely and go sprinting around the field. But it turns out that if you place enough boxes down on the ground, you cover this huge field. In other words, if we can win today, we can do something slightly better tomorrow and better the next day and better the next day until we look back and oh my gosh, look how far we've come. Okay, look, I'm mixing, <laughs> I'm mixing metaphors. I get that. I'm going way off script here and I'm rambling, but, but I think this is super important and we're losing sight of it. Creativity doesn't mean big. When we hear examples like Dumb Ways to Die, or Google, or Apple, or Red Bull, or whoever we admire, we focus on the final product. We look at the huge numbers, the glorious content created in a way that's so damn refreshing that we both want to do it and tell ourselves we can't. But we're seeing the sum of all the steps they took to get there. Creativity doesn't mean big. It's about pushing that slider forward on the spectrum. It's about succeeding in this box so you can move on to the next one. We see ourselves as being the safety champions of everything. You know, we're sort of making safety cool again, you know, whether it's Thanksgiving Day or Halloween or all kinds of other events and, um, and you know, things that happen around the world, finding the, the silly or dumb things that might happen around them um, that can be A, entertaining and B, you know, have a little bit of an underlying safety message to them. Creativity isn't the ability to do something big. Creativity is the sum of a ton of little wins all strung together. Just ask the little team behind Dumb Ways to Die. And there's only three of us in the team. Once once we're happy with something, we hit go. And, you know, I've worked pretty hard over my time here to 
earn the trust needed such that I'm the final sign-off on these things. You know, I very much espouse that, you know, the engineers don't ask me to approve the signal design drawings, so why would I ask them to approve the marketing campaigns? So um, that's, that's something that we absolutely do here and the CEO entrusts me to make the decisions around marketing campaigns. Now, in, in this particular case, I was very happy with it and so did, did share it with our executive team, but, um, but more as an FYI than anything. At no point did, it, did I ever feel like uh, we were taking a risk and that I needed to um, work this one up the line. Leah had permission to do stuff like Dumb Ways to Die because over the years, she'd earned the trust. She delivered results in the smallest of boxes and slowly moved to bigger and bigger projects. But at no point was she running wild and free. With each new idea, both before and during the evolution of Dumb Ways to Die, Leah was making the case that the unconventional was smarter, that the intuition she had was powerful. It may not look like the best practice, but it was indeed the right one. And just hearing Leah explain all this stuff is to hear a logical, results-based plan unfold little by little. And only now does it sound like something big? I, I think that, you know, particularly now, you know, I have a responsibility to, to manage this part of our business um, to, to generate enough revenue that we can keep doing the work and keep the message alive and spread the word. So it's about continuing to reach audiences. Of course, we need to do that here in Melbourne, which is our hometown and on our own network, because that's, that's ultimately what it's about. But you know, we do have a responsibility and there's so much love for our brand across the world that um, I feel a huge responsibility and, you know, I get a lot of joy as well from, um, from delivering that. Leah derives tremendous meaning from the work that she does and she does exceptional work. To do it, she doesn't trust some best practice, she trusts her intuition. But Leah also understands something powerful about doing that kind of work. The goal is not to sell your ideas. It's not. Whether you have clients or peers that you need to convince or or maybe bosses who need to sign off on something, the product of our intuition isn't what we should share. The path our intuition took is. In other words, our job is not to sell our ideas. In reality, our job is to sell why our ideas should exist. Look, I know your intuition is urging you to do something better. You want to do something better than all the commodity junk out there. You're tired of shortcut culture. You're sick of all the hacks and cheats and gurus and and get-rich-quick schemes. I get it. But simply stating your intention to do something different won't affect change in anybody else. Simply sharing the facts won't persuade others any more than those signs near the metro did. No, just like Leah, you need to share a better story. If you approached your work like that, you would find your true believers. You'd find others internally or around your industry who can applaud your thinking. And again, it's your thinking, not your final idea. So my advice to you is find those champions. Don't sell your ideas, sell why your ideas should exist. The biggest enabler is actually the right leadership above you. So, you know, I'm I'm at a very senior level in our organisation reporting to the CEO and 
he trusts my judgment on this and uh, and backs my decisions. So even there, there have been a few occasions when they turn out to not necessarily be the best ones, but the good decisions way over override the, the more mediocre ones. Um, and so as a result of that, you know, if you, feel, if you feel like you're trusted and someone's got your back, you're much more likely to push it a little bit further and, and go for getting the right outcome. But here's the messy truth. Even if you do embrace the box, it might not work. Even if you've been fighting to move forward on that spectrum day after day after day, it might not budge. Even if you are selling why your ideas should exist, people might not buy it. Your boss might ignore you. Your routine might fail you. And your client might block you. You might do everything in your power to act the right way and nothing gets better. So here's some advice that nobody likes to say out loud. You gotta make a change. Change your boss, change your routine, hell, change your job, quit, leave, go find something else. Just be sure you learn from mishap and dimwit and doomed. Learn from stumble and bonehead and putts. If you need to, go buy a stuffed friend named Botch and use him for moral support like Leah did. Whatever you do, however you get there, I'm begging you just remember this one thing. You get one life. One. So don't look back at the very end wishing that you'd done your best work instead of actually doing it. Because that is one very dumb way to die. So many dumb, so many dumb ways to die. The video that Leah and her team created is is truly awesome. I can't stress that enough. So if you haven't watched it yet, definitely go check it out. And I'm also happy to share the names of every character along with their backstories and their names' true meanings. Here's one just for a taste. This is Doofus, who dies by poking a nest of wasps. As a child, Doofus was prone to head injuries. This meant that his parents wouldn't allow him to play ball sports. Denied his one true passion, Doofus now jumps at any opportunity to play with round things, including wasp nests. That takes a lot of balls. (laughs) I can't get enough of these guys, uh, and if, if you want more of them, head over to the website unthinkable.fm and subscribe over there. Uh, Once you do that, you'll get a confirmation email from me. And once you confirm your subscription, just hit reply to the email that you get and I'll send over what you're looking for. I'm Jay Akunzo and I'll talk to you on the next episode of Unthinkable. Bye-bye. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Dum-dum-dum-dum-dum, dum-dum-dum-dum. Tis the season to be jolly. Dum-dum-dum-dum-dum, dum-dum-dum-dum. Christmas is a time to cherish. Don't be dumb or you will perish. Be safe around Christmas. A message from Metro.